one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat, but wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Every time we think 2016 can't get stranger, Russia gets involved. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode, everyone. If you haven't gotten the chance, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or our exciting new Instagram account, at Pantsuit Politics. You can also become a supporter of the show by going to PantsuitPoliticsShow.com and making a one-time donation or becoming a monthly subscriber for as little as the cost of a cup of coffee. I think it is important to begin the pearls today on a high note. Congress has done something bipartisan. Yay! I saw that. It's very exciting. So the 21st Century Cure Act passed the Senate 94 to 5 and 392 to 26 in the House. That is pretty good work. 
$6.3 billion of funding, including funding for Joe Biden's cancer moonshot. And I don't know if you heard any of the sound, Sarah, of the like really moving uh, tribute that the Senate did to Joe Biden and the the moment when they talked about naming uh, part of this legislation for his son. I mean, I, it was really beautiful. Everybody loves Joe Biden. I mean, I know not technically everybody loves Joe Biden, but sort of. Everybody sort of, even if you don't agree with Joe Biden, you sort of begrudgingly love him, I think. So I'm going to talk about him again in a second. Um, but this is the most significant piece of mental health legislation since 2008. It requires equal insurance coverage for mental and physical health. It grants, it includes grant funding to increase the number of psychiatrists and psychologists, which are in short supply. And very significantly for us in Kentucky, and I know many other states, there is a, a lot of funding to combat opioid addiction. So I think this is exciting. I'm looking forward to getting thoughts from some of our listeners who have expertise in this field, but I think it's a great start. Well, I think that any start is good with regards to mental health. As I've been touring my local government, different departments, it's shocking how much every department spends basically dealing with the mentally ill. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and it really straps resources and sort of stretches people's capabilities. So part of this bill requires states to use at least 10% of their mental health block grants on early intervention for psychosis using coordinated specialty care. So it's basically saying, how can we holistically support someone so that they can stay in school or stay in a job, um, but kind of get get control of what's going on mental health-wise before it starts to take their life down a bad path. And I think it's exciting. It also requires the attorney general to create at least one pilot mental health and drug court so that we start to look at treatment instead of incarceration. I think that really gets to your point, Sarah, that we we just don't have the right resources for people. So we're shoving Mm -hmm. them into the resources that are available. Yeah. And it's just they get cycled back around. I mean, my biggest beef with this is not just that it's a waste of resources, but that it doesn't actually help these people. Right. It does, it, and it harms them, right? It's mm-hmm. not It's not even neutral. It's just um, we're, we're perpetuating a problem. So very happy to see this happen. Very happy to see it happen on a bipartisan basis. Okay, that was the high note. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there will be no more of those on this episode <laughs> of Pantsuit Politics. We'll do our best, but... Um, We should mention that Istanbul has been hit over the weekend. On Saturday, two bombings in Istanbul, Turkey, killed 38 people, mostly police officers, and wounded 155 other people. You might, if you listen to our primer on the Middle East, you might remember uh, my conversation about the Kurds and about how the Kurds as an ethnic group are so diverse that it's almost... Um, it's almost meaningless to use that label, the Kurds. The PKK, a, a group, a really militia group in, of the Kurds, is a terrorist organization in the United States definition. Now, the United States works with the Kurds in Syria, so it's not like the United States is against the Kurds. Remember, this is a very diverse group of people. So a small sect of the PKK, there's sort of a loose affiliation between this group, the Kurdish Freedom Hawks, or the TAK, have claimed responsibility for these bombings. Uh, They happened outside of a soccer game after the game ended. 
And it's just very frightening and I think indicative of increased instability in Turkey. So we're sorry to hear that. We're sorry to hear that Aleppo continues to take a beating and we're kind of at the rebels last stand in Aleppo. It's just been a really tough news week from the Middle East. Definitely. I also was really disturbed by the recent, um, well, it was really an op-ed columnist, but it was a report from the, um, did you read this from Manus, Papua New Guinea? No. About the refugees? Oh, it's so disturbing. It's, so Manus is an island in the South Pacific near Australia. And it's sort of become where Australia banishes asylum seekers. And there are massive and cruel mental, physical, human rights abuses going on here. It's, you know, it's sort of just this, it's not even purgatory, it's like hell. And the report from um, Roger Cohen at the New York Times was incredibly disturbing and just not something you expect to read about how human beings other human beings are being treated in 2016, especially in Australia. So we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but I think it's just indicative of the fact that places all over the world are dealing with um, refugees. And I'm not really sure anybody is doing a good job. Maybe Canada seems to be sort of doing a good job, but this in particular was very, very disturbing. I just feel like there's an overwhelming amount of suffering. Mm -hmm. And I know that that, probably always exists at any given moment in time it's just how much awareness do we have of it but I am truly overwhelmed by the amount of suffering happening in the world right now yeah and I started reading more about the um, war in Yemen that sort of has gotten forgotten and all the attention being paid to Syria and there is some I mean real suffering particularly among children going on there and it's so overwhelming like you said it just doesn't seem like um so the Middle East is so complicated and the repercussions are so far reaching. And and that situation directly impacts Americans because you think of all of the military members who have spent time in Yemen and the American people as a whole have no idea what's happening there, right? Like mm-hmm. it's impossible for us to properly support our troops when we don't even understand where our troops are and what they're doing. We had this really interesting exchange on Twitter with our listener, Jason, who is a military officer, about this sort of uh, vacuum created around our military because of the complexity in the Middle East. And I think he's going to come on in January and talk with us more about that. But Yemen is a place Rand Paul has brought up several times. Like when we heard Rand Paul speak a few months ago, he focused on Yemen and the crowd was sort of disengaged on that. I think people were expecting to hear him talk about the election. Um, And instead he was saying, look, let's talk about what's real. And let's talk about not that not that the election isn't real, but the things that have lasting, serious consequences for our country and for the lives of people around the world. So um, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, there there's so much in the Middle East that we don't have a handle on. Well, I said I was going to return to Joe Biden. So I will return to Joe Biden now with my compliment for the other side. Um, I was listening to the speeches to honor him since he is, you know, coming to the end of his term. And I loved what Mitch McConnell said about him. And it sounded so true to me about how he has been uh, strengthened by all of the tragedy in his life. I loved the line that 
there's a reason that get Joe on the phone means that we're about to act. And I agree with you. I think even where you have significant policy disagreements with Joe Biden, it's kind of hard not to have some respect for him because I do think he really believes in what he does, works really hard, tries to get things done in a way that respects our constitutional process and respects his colleagues. So um, tip of the hat to Joe Biden today. Mm-hmm. I love me some Joe Biden. So I will use the compliment the other side to lead us into the suit, which is I am going to compliment Lindsey Graham and John McCain, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, who have called, um, along with several Democratic leaders, for a bipartisan investigation of Russian influence into the U.S. election. Um, I shared this on my personal Facebook feed. I think I did it on our uh, Pansy Politics, and he said, John McCain, um, I really had a lot of, I always had, already had a lot of respect for John McCain, but he was said this is too important for um, this to become a partisan issue, and I couldn't agree more. So with that, we will uh, head into the suit. This is the portion of the program that reminds me of a dearly beloved Kentucky expression. What in the Sam Hill is going on? I mean, I think that Russia influenced our election. I don't really think it's that complicated at this point. I want to understand exactly what happened, when it happened, how it happened. I want to understand those things. And yet I feel like even if I had all of those answers, saying here is exactly what the impact was is really, really difficult. Yeah, I just, look, here's where I'm at with this. Anywhere from, depending on whose count you pay attention to, 2.2 to 2.8 million people, additional people voted for Clinton. This is not a Gore lead of what, 100,000 or so people? I don't know how much Gore won by. Do you remember? I don't. Somewhere around. It was narrow, though. I mean, it was narrow. Yeah, it was narrow. It was not almost 3 million people. And now you're talking about Trump winning in three traditionally blue states by a margin of under 80,000 votes. So let's assume they didn't actually hack the election, which I am not assuming at this point, and they just influenced it by hacking both the DNC and RNC email accounts, but only releasing the DNC. We've we've all seen that infograph. It's like the conglomerations of words people heard about each candidate, and email is massive on her side. Now, yes, that is some of her email server controversy, but when they hacked the DNC emails and contributed to an email storyline, is it really hard to believe that since we're talking about an under 80,000 vote margin in traditionally blue states, that this... Didn't influence the election? What? Like, why? And I am so furious with Mitch McConnell and with the fact that Barack Obama was like, okay, I think they're influencing the election. And in an, in an attempt to, you know, I don't know, play nice, be respectful of our checks and balances, whatever, went to the Republican leadership and was like, okay, should we say something? And Mitch McConnell was like, I don't know, I'm not convinced. Oh boy, you really? Why would you not be convinced by this? What possibly do you have to gain from us keeping this a secret until after the election? I mean, I'm riled up about this. What an impossible position President Obama has been in throughout this Mm. entire process. I don't think that we will ever be able to tease out exactly 
why the votes fell as they did, even if I accept absolutely everything that you just said. We should point out that it's disputed whether the RNC was hacked or not. Uh, Reince Priebus very forcefully says that the RNC was not hacked. The CIA seems to have uh, given its propensity to, this is what I heard David Ignatius say this morning, and I thought it was well said, that the CIA is more comfortable acting on inference because that's their culture and that's what they're supposed to do. The FBI is not at all comfortable in acting on inferences. They want provable facts, right, that can be established like in a court of law. And so the FBI has not said that the RNC is hacked. So that we don't know conclusively yet. What I'm worked up about, I'm worked up about something too, and here's what it is. I'm worked up about the fact that, one, our leaders have had information about this throughout the course of the election, and this is... Uh, been sort of a backstory, but not something Mm -hmm. that we've prominently aired out. I'm also worked up about the incoming president taking to Twitter to criticize our intelligence community. I'm very, very worked up about that. Keeps lying. He just lies. He keeps lying. It was the greatest electoral victory. 46 out of 58 is not a great electoral victory. Or whatever the it's something close to that. Like wow, it's very low. Uh, it's, it's it's actually low. a very low margin if you look at the history of the electoral college. So mm. I agree with you. That's false. There's no mandate here. I don't understand why his surrogates keep overplaying their hand. Too, you know, the election is over. There is no more need to speak in hyperbole constantly. It's undermining, and I just this. The fact that he just gets on Twitter and says, well, what does the CIA know? Oh, my gosh. Like, the CIA is about to be the absolute best tool that you have in the world. But he's not going to use it. He's not even going to get the daily intelligence briefings because he's very smart. He must be confused about what intelligence means in this situation. It means spies, dumb dumb. Sorry, yeah, I'm not I, being respectful for our current president-elect, but I'm over. Like, and then appointing the Secretary of State, who's a friend of Russia and gets awards from Russia, and I, I don't want to be friends with Russia. I'm sorry. I don't think that's a good idea. I think the fact that they wanted you to win, and now you're, you know, blowing up our relationship with China and mouthing off to the CIA and acting like you can trust Vladimir Putin more than you can entrust the Central Intelligence Agency. Mm, save us electoral college save us summer is here pack your bag with sunscreen your emotional support water bottle and that steamy bee treat but wait don't stop there this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short spicy audio stories they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. I wonder what will happen with the Secretary of State appointment, because we've been talking for a couple of days about Rex Tillerson, the former CEO of Exxon, I guess the current CEO of Exxon, as though this is a done deal. But we've talked about Mitt Romney like it's a done deal. We've talked about Rudy Giuliani like it's a done deal. It does keep changing. And this seems like such an, regardless of how, um, Like putting all of the merits of Rex Tillerson aside, right? Whatever you think on the pro and con, just in terms of public relations, this seems like something you would take off the table, given where we are right now. Uh, I'm just, I'm very concerned because I think that foreign policy is, I don't think, it's just a fact. It's one of the most influential areas in which a president acts. He is not careful. He shows no aptitude for carefulness. He shows no desire for carefulness. And we live, as we previously mentioned in the pearls, in very scary, complicated times. And I do not think this man is up to the task. So there's now a group of electors calling for an intelligence brief before the electoral college votes. I mean, I used to think it was such elitist baloney to have the Electoral College to protect us from everybody, the, you know, the, the crazy masses and all the stuff, except for it's not even the case here. Now we're 
protecting ourselves from 80,000 people in Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, and giving it back to the 3 million people. I'm overestimating the numbers now for hyperbolic effect. But, like, I just, mm, I don't understand. I've lost all my nuance here. He's scary. I was trying to give him a chance. He has shown no aptitude or, like I said, no aptitude or desire for carefulness at every single turn. He still tweets at Saturday Night Live. He, you know, is seemingly trying to use some Taiwan as some sort of bargaining chip. He's letting his daughter, who is in the middle of contract negotiations with a company owned by the government of Japan, sitting in on meetings while simultaneously saying he's going to give his company with varied and complicated foreign conflicts of interest to his children who are running his transition team. Like, what is happening? Sorry. I think it would be a better thing for the country to have a new election than to have the Electoral College decide the outcome of this one. Whatever. That's fine. I don't care. Well, and I say that not to be smart aleck or argumentative. And just thinking about what happens if the Electoral College chooses to go with the popular vote instead of the the map that has shaped up. I just wonder how destabilizing that is. Now, I think a new election is hugely destabilizing, too, but I mean, you know what else kind is of in a destabilizing time here. Yeah. I mean, what is uh, somebody on our message us about this? And I get that. But like, you know what else is destabilizing and disenfranchising? Having a candidate that got almost three million more votes and didn't win. And then telling us that a foreign government influenced the election in favor of the candidate who did not win the popular vote. Like, that's pretty dis- destigmatizing and demoralizing and just plain old angering. The popular vote versus the Electoral College is a hard thing. I fall on the side of, we have these rules, this is our process, this is how it, this is how it works out. I don't think the Electoral College should sit back and say, hmm, maybe this time we like it better on the popular vote side. I think that's a bad thing for the country. But the Victoria College is also intended to protect against basically the masses making the wrong choice. Like, let's not fool ourselves in thinking that this was just about, oh, we really want, this is about geographic fairness. That's not what it was. The Founding Fathers were some elitist, intellectual, aristocratic people. And they also thought that maybe let's just be extra safe. And so if the masses make the wrong choice, we have these smarty pants electors who could undo what they did. Like, let's not, like, that's what it's for, too. And I I guess my... I don't dispute that at all. I think at this moment in our history, the idea of an elite group telling the masses they got it wrong, but they promises wrong. <laughs> us, but promises us worse than Donald Trump in the long I term. I think that that would be hugely problematic for our country. I think everything is problematic. I, listen. I'm never good at being in this position of arguing for anything around this election, right? Because in my dream world, Evan McMullen would have won Utah, and I'd be arguing for the <laughs> Electoral College to put him into the into I'm not office. sure Evan McMullen agrees with you. I'm not sure Evan, Evan McMullen, with his background in intelligence, thinks anything's worse than Donald Trump at this point, from what I've read, from what he said. Well, that's fine. I'm, I'm, not, talk- I'm not saying Donald Trump is a good option under any circumstances, process-wise 
it really scares me to think about the long-term effect of the Electoral College changing the outcome of this election. Now, I do think that giving that group as much information as possible is important. I don't know who could make the decision about a new election if that's where we ended up. I, I don't know how you tease out Russian influence versus actual impact on the votes. I, I think this is all enormously complex. And to me, the most credible voices right now are those saying, let's understand what happened. Separate and apart from the outcome of this election, let's understand what happened because a foreign state influencing our system in this way is unacceptable no matter what you think the outcome of this election should have been. So how do you feel about the Supreme Court giving the election through the Electoral College to George Bush the last time we had a conflict? I don't feel I don't like that was hugely destabilizing. in those terms exactly. Now look, I think that was a horrible situation for the country too. The fact that we're still talking about it shows that it's not great. What the Supreme Court did was say, we're not going to have this recount go forward because of the timing under Florida state law. So it's another instance of the court saying, and, and look, people are going to email me. They're going to disagree with that characterization. I understand. Yeah, I disagree with you. I disagree with that characterization. <laughs> what happened? I mean, to me, though, in this situation is it's not just the Electoral College coming in and saying, I don't know. It's just 2.8 million people is a lot of people. And the margin he won by is small. And this man is dangerous. He, in, we think a foreign government interfered. I just think that they, we've got a lot of things here. It's not like somebody just going in and being like, oh, we want to do it different this time. Like, there's a lot going on here. Like, it's not nothing. I don't know. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earth Breeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky, 
and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. I just don't want to lose the ability to understand that there are people who supported him and who still support him and a long-term consequence of every decision made in a particular moment. And I don't want to lose the ability to zoom out and think about those impacts. Do I think Hillary Clinton would have been a better president? Unequivocally, yes. Do I wish that all of this had turned out differently? Of course I do. But this is where we are, and I just want to find a way through it that doesn't undermine our entire constitutional process. Russia is doing that enough for us. I don't want us to contribute to that as well by being in this place of thinking, gosh, a lot of us know better than the the people who voted the other way. But it's not even about like it's not even about that for me. Like it's not even about like I know better than the people who voted for Donald Trump. It's not just that I think she would be better. I think he's dangerous. I think the damage caused to our process by the Electoral College picking Hillary Clinton is not as bad as the damage to our process as having a president who continues to run a company and uses the office to make money. I don't think it's as extensive as the president that has no regard for our intelligence agencies or our foreign policy or decades of relationships with China and Russia like I don't know I think that's worse I think there are reasonable people who would hear all of that and say that Secretary Clinton has no respect for our intelligence communities because of the way that she treated classified information I understand that we're all going to argue about that but there are people who would say that there are people who would say that the Clinton Global Initiative is as thorny and complicated ethically as the Trump businesses. I understand that a lot of us are going to disagree about that. But this is what I'm saying. We can't make decisions about our process based on things like the relative weighing of who is more dangerous for our country. And 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 Sarah, I'm not and trying to argue. I agree with you. <laughs> you know, and maybe but- that's true. 
And I think that's all fair enough. What I think it's, you know, I don't agree with it. I think it is disregarding reality. But whatever, I get it. I get how people could see that. But you can't argue with 2.8 million votes. But that you is, can say that oh. is not our system, you know? And, and, and again, like, I feel so weird because I'm talking about this as though I'm, I'm fighting with you on the, the outcome. I'm not, you know? It's just, I think we have to be very measured in our approach about what we want the Electoral College to do. I don't know. I'll be measured when Donald Trump is measured. Donald Trump's not measured, and that's my problem. Like, I just, that, I guess not that's how we want to be. be, though. You know, Ugh. like that. I don't know. I don't know. I just think that he is, I was trying. I want credit for trying. I tried with this man. But it's like, at every, there's just such disrespect for the office itself that I have so much trouble swallowing. Like, and acting like it's just, you know, it's just another Republican that I disagree with. I don't feel like that about him. I think he's dangerous. I think people will die if this man stays president. And not that people wouldn't die if people would die no matter who's president. But it's just, I don't know. Like, it's just, I read this, um, I think it was Bloomberg does this, like, pessimist predictions. And last time they predicted that Donald Trump would win the presidency. And everybody was like, ha, ha, ha. But they're just like, you know... The, you're talking about perhaps the worst, if we go to trade war with China, the worst recession in Chinese history. You're talking about if we continue this line of diplomatic relationships with Russia and or then we decide to, it's gone too far and we threaten Russia and then we cut off all ties with Cuba and then Cuba says, hey, you know what, Russia, you can put a base over here. Like, it's just, then we're back in what, the Cuban Missile Crisis? Like, this is not, oh, this is not, like I said, I don't feel like this is just... Because of the foreign relations issues he's had so far, I don't feel like it's just like, oh, well, they're equally bad, and it just depends on if you're a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, I don't know. Well, first of all, I mean, we've said this before, he's not a Republican. I agree that these comments about his refusal to take daily intelligence briefings are so disrespectful to the office. And dangerous. I don't understand... When you have no experience whatsoever in a topic saying, I don't really need to have this topic repeated to me daily. No, I, that's exactly what you need, right? That's, that's exactly the thing that you need when you have no experience on a topic. And even when you know it, to catch the nuances, to catch the you know tiny things that might seem insignificant and to connect those dots and find themes and just develop a relationship with the people involved with that work. I, I think that's so important and I think it's such a mistake and and really despicable in a lot of ways that he's not taking those briefings. Well, and I just was reading Evan McMillan's thing about he was he was at uh a meeting with Donald Trump and the House Republican leadership. I, I guess he was there under his sort of intelligence role. I don't know. And they were, you know, asking him basically basic constitutional questions. And Donald Trump was like, oh, yeah, I'm really I'm really into Article 12. Like not even a, like not a thing. It's not a part of the Constitution. And just like misciting it. And I mean, is that not a place for the <laughs> Electoral College to stand up and say, we can't put someone who's going to raise their right hand and swear to uphold the Constitution who fundamentally does not understand the Constitution and shows no desire to understand the Constitution. Like, this isn't, uh, I don't know. To your point about 
international relations, we have some very troubling and tumultuous and I guess tenuous is a better word situations in the world, regardless of who's walking into the the Oval Office. And so when people say maybe a new approach with China is called for, I can hear that. I can understand that completely. When people say maybe a new approach with Russia is called for, I can hear that. Now, I can't hear it in terms of let's be best friends with Vladimir Putin, who I completely agree with John McCain, is a thug and a bully and a murderer. So I, I am not on board with the strategy of cozying up to Russia. But a new approach in some of our situations, I think, is perhaps welcome. I just think it needs to be an informed and careful approach. And unless Trump is much more masterful than I believe possible, (laughs) um, I don't see that happening under his administration. Now, this is why I, I continue to say on Twitter, much to the dismay of lots of our listeners, and I love every one of them who gets angry with me about this. I want people like I don't I'm not bothered at all by this parade in and out of Trump Tower because I want people to meet with him. I want people to take his call. I want anyone who could possibly contribute positively to our government to do that. I'm not going to mock Mitt Romney or Carly Fiorina or anyone else for being willing to serve in the administration, even if there's a self-serving component, even if there's a total flip-flop in the action. Like, I want our administration to be as strong as it can possibly be. Because these are big, scary decisions that are in front of us for the next four years. And, like, let's put the best team on this that we can. Ugh, I don't know. I just... (sighs) (laughs) I don't even know. It's just really stressing me out. Like, I think that he could really, really, really do some damage. And the only thing that's right now that's making me feel better is that he is such a terrible manager that there's more just infighting and sort of internal wars that I hope will just preoccupy him enough. But it's just so sad and disturbing and... It just makes me angry. I just don't think that we should have this dangerous man for president because of 80,000 people when you have 2.8 million people, more people that voted for the other person and foreign interference from Russia. I'm sorry. I just, those three things add up to me to, like I said, electoral college, please save us. Well, I think we should move on on that. So in the heels, I thought we could talk about beyond politics, what is a source of passion for us right now? Um, well, beyond politics, what I'm finding myself doing is um, wanting to leave every part of the world behind. So I find that the only thing I want to watch is British period dramas. I want to be in a different country. And I want to be in a different century. That's what I'm passionate about right now. So The Crown plus what? Um, well, I'm done with The Crown. I finished that a while back. And now I moved on to um, 
I watched the death death and death comes to Pemberley, which is sort of like a um, Pride and Prejudice sequel, which was amazing. And then now I have started The Paradise, which is the BBC. Um, I think it, it, well, no, it's not, I don't think they're equivalent, but it's like a little about a shop girl who comes to this other little town. Um, so I've watched a couple episodes of that, but I think <laughs> being in that it's the early, I think it's like 19, set in like 1910, early 1900s, I still think it's a little too close in time to today. <laughs> and I might have to go further back. I mean, I'm really looking at like, Mid-1800s is as current as I want to be. Well, I am in a very different place in terms of my passion today. I I feel like because the national scene I find so sort of spiritually dehydrating, that's apparently my phrase for the day because I feel like it says exactly how I feel right now. I just want to like get lost in local things. And I've talked a little bit about doing that lately. And one local thing that I am just super passionate about is our shelter that I've talked about on the show before. And Jane is now helping me raise money for the shelter. And she is really into it. And I'm just really excited about that. We we have raised close to enough money now for 30 people to stay at the shelter in the month of December. And we want to just keep going with that. So I will put a link in the show notes in case anyone is called to contribute to that effort. But I feel, I just feel like so sucked dry by this whole national conversation um, that it's helping me to focus on like, what can I do something good about, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode. Thanks for engaging with us as always around the show. We will be back with you on Friday for another episode. And, you know, you do you. So if you're out of nuance, that's fine. But otherwise, we hope that you will keep it nuanced, y'all. Bye.